Ready to boost sales and grow your business without the BS? Welcome to the Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We'll be sharing actionable tips across marketing, sales, and growth without the BS to help you skyrocket your business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And today I'm joined by Andy Culligan. Andy is a fractional CMO over at andyculligan.com. He helps fast-growing SaaS tech startups reach commercial success through marketing and sales alignment. Andy, welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? Doing well, mate. Good to, good to be here, man. Cool, man. So looking forward to this. This is... Uh, Almost original topic, actually, because we did speak about ABM, account-based marketing, one of the very first episodes. But we're going to spice it up a bit. We're going we're gonna to go through a no BS guide of how it works and the ins and outs. So first and foremost, for anyone that's new to ABM, never heard of it, what, what does it really mean, Andy? Account-based marketing. Done. No, I'm joking. It is. <laughs> so yeah, but, but first of all, it's account-based marketing. I think as um, tech marketers or in the tech space, we use a lot of abbreviations for things. And yeah. that confused the heck out of me when I first started in the in the tech space. You know, you've got uh, you've got like ABM, you've got SaaS, you've got CRM, you've got uh, you've so got, many acronyms. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, exactly. Yeah, even things like net retention. Uh, gross retention, so uh, like all of those different things. I was like, "What in the name?" You know? But anyway, ABM. I, I'll try not to confuse everybody with within the ABM space. So, account-based marketing, and then I'll probably get into ICP, which is ideal customer profile, and then a TAM, which is total addressable market. But essentially, like to to take the the BS out of it a little bit. In yeah. um, what what is ABM? Essentially, ABM is just a better way of targeting the companies that you could be doing business with. It's recognizing ahead of ahead of going to market in terms of which companies you want to do business with. So you build out first of all, you you recognize who are the types of companies I want to work with, which is your ICP, your ideal customer profile, right? Right. And then based off that information, then you go and you start doing the exercise of building your TAM, your total addressable market, and that's basically your bible. Like your TAM should be your total addressable market list is anything from like an Excel file to all of the data that you have in your, in, in your CRM. Right. But it's, um, it's, it's the list of accounts that you want to do business with and you should tier it out based on, for example, revenues, like it could be tier one or top revenue. That means you can spend more money on trying to attract those tier two can be middle of the road tier three can be low value clients, but you should try to tier it out and have a strategy to attack each and every one of those types of tiers of accounts. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So I'll stop there for a sec because I went through quite a bit. So drill into that as you wish. Yeah, indeed. So we're, we're talking about basically making a list of our target companies, prospective businesses that we actually want to work with, I'm guessing, because they've probably got quite a bit of cash. They've probably got quite a few employees. They're probably companies who might potentially have a problem that our product, our service can solve. So we think that they're a decent match for, for our business, for our company. Um, is there a is there a strategy though before we pick up the phone before we start spamming them on LinkedIn before we start running ads their way is there a I guess a thoughtful approach to do it let's say we're putting together a list or or do we even need to firstly before we even kind of think about the the tacticals the actual actionables of reaching them is there even before that things we need to consider when we're making the list and then going after the list yeah so typically um the way that I would consult businesses or tell them what to do is first step is is 
build out who you want to like who who is your who is your ideal customer most mm. companies have an idea they have an they have a hypothesis maybe a, an unproven hypothesis and one of one yep. of the things that i would warn people of in that especially if you're going through like some stage of of growth right like a, if you're talking about let's say in the tech space right because that's where i typically work and i know a lot of your audience may, may be outside of the tech space but if it, but it, it 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 applies it doesn't matter if you're in tech or not but what sure. you see is when people get to a certain size in business let's say i think in annual recurring revenue another one of our acronyms uh, or abbreviations arr or MRR yeah. for monthly recurring revenue, right? When you start getting in the tech space over this, like in, in SaaS and software as a service, you start to see um, like when you get between sort of 1 million or just over that 1 million annual recurring revenue part, you'll start to see that like from the zero to 1 million, what you're doing is is um, you're basically using network. You're using contacts within your network. Whoever's running your sales uh, alpha will be the person that's bringing in those deals it's normally one or two people could be the ceo could be a vp of sales or a head of sales or whatever you want to call it in, the, in a small company and you've got it to the stage where you're at like a million in revenue right and what you've done there is you've begged borrowed and steal within your network in order to get those people in over the line okay then when you get to this sort of one to five million plus it doesn't necessarily multiply as well you're looking you're like oh no we need to scale what we're doing and you can't scale it based on personal relationships any longer you need to find a way in which your product matches a, a specific type of or, or service if you're offering a service a specific type of end user or or prospect right now right. some of some i said i mentioned before that one of the things that i see is a problem is that people are looking at their current customer set when they get to that one million they're looking at current customers and being like this is maybe which way we should be going or we should be maybe looking to our existing customer list to say this is our ideal customer which is typically not the case because when you're growing like that from zero to one million you're like anybody that's willing to give us money we will take their money right <laughs> of course yeah. there are going to be ideal customers in there as well mixed in with there but if you're looking for a data set to go off of in terms of to prove a hypothesis you're not going to have it with existing customer data so you need to come up it's, it's typically like a mix of all whoever the most senior people in the organization are for them to sit down in a room and decide upon what are the particular hypotheses in terms of what looks like a good customer to us? Is it a specific industry, specific company size? Do they have a specific size team in one specific area? For example, they need a marketing team of five people or more in order for this particular tool or product, whatever we're offering to make sense to that organization, right? Come up with that hypothesis, but don't spend years coming up with it because that's another thing. They can never come to a to to like to an agreement on it, and that that ends up in problems as well. Is there any? Um, this might be too broad a question, but is there any formula that you've seen looks pretty good for as a general rule? I.e., let's look at our most profitable customers. We enjoy working with them. They drive us the most revenue, and they act, we can actually help them and replicate them. Is is that like a simple formula, or is there is it too too wide a thing to say that there's a general rule? that's there there is no general rule i think the problem the problem is that you've got two sets of things you've got subjectivity which is part of the vision from the founders of the company which way they want the, the company to move and maybe if you're dealing in an organization that's developing a product you're going to have the product vision which way it's going to be yeah. in five years from now and then gotcha. you've got the right now as well which is what you've just mentioned looking at our our top customers being like do mm -hmm. we want to stick there so yes you can use that data but will it match to the product vision 
which gotcha. changes quite a bit, you know? So, so there's no one size fits all. And that's why I said it, it's normally getting the top level people to sit down in a room and bash it out mm-hmm. and come to something where everybody's like, where everybody's somewhat happy with. So the thing about it, it should be a compromise, right? And I heard somebody say, during there was a wartime leader and I can't remember which wartime leader it was, but his famous quote was, um, the key to a good compromise is that nobody's happy, right? <laughs> and, that's exactly how it should work out. So nobody's going to be fully happy with what you determine as your ideal customer profile within the organization. But the, qu- the, the key is to move quickly on it and test the hypothesis, right? Come up with some content, which is, or or pull it. The, the next step is then to pull a list of those companies that fit into that ICP, right? But I, I'll stop there because I've been talking for a very long time, Sam. So my apologies, mate. That's that's a good quote. I think we're going to have to pull a promo clip from that one. Anyway, um, yeah, so some some good, some useful tactics yeah, you can implement in terms of kind of making that list, putting it together. Um, and that's an interesting point, like you say, not dwelling on kind of what's working well for you right now in terms of customers, but also thinking where do we actually want to get to because we're stuck at this point for a reason. We actually need to think about growth and building on that customer list, building on that revenue rather than just looking, dwelling on what we have now. So that's... 100%. 100%. And then it's, so So you mentioned about then going to build it, like the ICP, the ideal customer profile is just the first, first part of the step in actually building that list. Then you need to actually go build. And people say, well, how do I do that? Well, you look at unique data points that you can figure out from that ideal customer. So as right. I said before, a simple example would be industry and company size or revenue of that specific company or number of employees in that company or, uh, for example, geographical locations is another one. Um, there's like tools out there that you can that have hundreds of data points which you can choose from which will help you to pull this. Simple examples would be something like Cognizant or ZoomInfo. Um, and those, those, those um types of, of of platforms will allow you to be able to pull that information if you don't have that type of budget for those types of platforms there are much cheaper ones out there like you don't need to go and buy the ferrari immediately you just need data right yeah um and uh what you can do is then you pull a list you're essentially just plugging in data points saying i want companies from industry x that are based in country y pull that list and what you're going to see very quickly is that there's a ton of junk in there that yep. you're going to have to sift through and my rule of thumb, if you're looking for like a, like rules, I, and I know this is like a lot of people are like, what? Um, is like you should have somewhere between five to 10,000 accounts in an ABM list, right? Okay. Now, that's not 10,000 accounts the sales are going to be picking up the phone to. Yeah. This is 10,000 accounts that marketing are able to target that when sales are picking up the phone to their 250, or whatever it is, it's it's somewhere that the, the the breakdown of teams is another thing we can discuss in a little bit. But SDRs will have somewhere between two hundred to two fifty. Sales themselves will somewhere have around eighty to one hundred, right? And okay. then marketing will have ten thousand. And what will happen is, on a quarterly basis or whatever your sales cycles are based on you know your business, you can look at how many uh, accounts a salesperson or an SDR should have in their list from that total addressable market. And then marketing take all of that along with the ones the sales are already working on as well and go target them. Okay. All right. So this is good. Enjoying this. So in terms of we've we've made this list, we've looked at the locations, the industries, the job titles. We've got that all kind of set in stone in terms of who we target. So we've probably got a whacking great big list by the sounds of it, 5,000 to 10,000 contacts. 
Um, companies, so people, companies, not contacts, sorry, companies. 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 So even more companies. contacts. Com- so yeah, that's contacts. Com- are, that's the next. That's the next step. Contact <laughs> is after. So this is the thing. So you can use the same tool then afterwards to build contact lists. But you need gotcha. to start off with your company list. So company list is then sifting through because what you'll find is, as I said, you're going to find a lot of junk in there. So what, what I want people to know that this is a painful process. This is not something where you're like, oh, I just pulled a list and then look through that into LinkedIn. It's going to be all nice and rosy. It's not. It's going to be a pain in the bum. I, I know I've done it myself, right? There's going to be absolute junk in that list. Companies that don't fit your ICP, why are they even showing up on that list? but it's going to happen. So you just need to go in and you need to do the manual work of removing that because if you don't and you start going to targeting those, you're going to start bringing in leads from those non-ICP companies and you're going to be wasting your money, right? That exercise to boil down that list is going to take you a week of probably two people's time. Got it. All right, so sift out the junk. And then are we going straight to, is there some kind of process in terms of the marketing have to get at first before our SDRs can or before our sales teams can? Or how, how, what does that actually look like from, from experience, Andy, in terms of some of the companies you've worked with and how they actually attack it? Um, I've always been the first one to start with that list build and then get the, the just, just to, to not take the guys away from selling. You know, um, and just as well, because I, I see the benefit in it. The t- typical thing is people don't see the benefit. In it. They're like, oh, we're doing our we're doing our thing already. Why should we why should we focus on this new thing? Because ABM or in this particular fashion is typically a new process to people in an organization. If you're building your list for the first time, it's, of course, a new process. Right. And it's quite mm-hmm. a bit of work to get it up and running. So I try to do as much of that in the marketing team as possible to get it up to a stage where you're like, hey, sales, by the way, here's a list of accounts that we've sifted through. These are the ones that we think are a good fit. Can you go and just go through it again and see that you guys are happy with that? And then if you get them on board, then then what you need to be doing is once they get once they're working on that list, you need to be starting formulating your plan. Right. right? Um, and with your plan, it's basically like a playbook, right? You've got plays for different types of accounts. So if we're um I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, just around within that account list, you're gonna be go on. Sorry, you want to say something? No, you, you go ahead. I'm just making notes. All right. Um, within the um, within that account list, you're going to have different tiers of accounts, as I said. So you're going to have your top tier accounts, which we call tier one, and then mid tier accounts, tier two, and then lower tier accounts, maybe tier three. And the difference between those might be the potential revenue that you could get from those accounts, right? Okay. Now, with the tier ones, if they're high revenue or high potential revenue accounts, the likelihood is that the sales cycle on those is going to be longer. Right. At the same time, it also means that you're going to, as a marketer, have more money to spend to bring those in because your customer okay. acquisition costs can go higher because your lifetime value of those accounts is higher, right? They're giving you more money, basically. Therefore, you can spend more money on bringing them in, simply put, right? Um, so the way that I, I, I would focus on that would be, I would try to keep it simple enough, split it up into those three different account tiers, have for tier one uh, down to tier three, have... A similar marketing plan for each, but in tier one, you're going to have things that are maybe a little bit different to what you'll have in a tier two, for example. And I give you a couple of examples. I would have overlapping strategies in each one of those different things. One example being direct mail. Okay. Direct okay. mail is killer. I love direct mail. Like direct mail is like my favorite marketing channel because it enables you to be so creative. And at the same time, is uh, it works like it works so well and people never believe me until they try it. So direct mail is like fantastic. But anyway, in direct mail, what I would do is I do three different mailers 
uh, one for tier one, one for tier two, one for tier three. The tier one mailer would be a high value mailer. So I'd probably spend something like, let's say, for example, if I'm bringing in big, big business, I might spend up to a hundred pounds or something per mailer, make it very, very personalized, maybe get three or four out to those, to that, those specific accounts a year, right? So you're talking maybe three, 400 quid spend a year on specific accounts, right? And also very much personalized to that account. Tier two and tier three, tier two is probably like, uh, it's it's more of a scaled mailer. It's not going to be as personalized, but you may want to spend a little bit more. So you send them, I don't know, uh, like uh, more expensive chocolates or something like that. Tier Good three point. could be just a, a simple like a Starbucks gift card, right? In order to, hey, let's, let's, let, let me buy you a coffee. Let's have a meeting right? Simple examples, but they work, right? Um, and I'd be looking at within the within those different tiers, I'd be looking at tier one, I'd be trying to create some very personalized content that's going to resonate with those larger companies in that list. Yep. I'd even be going after specific companies with maybe tailor-made content for that one company, which I've done before, right? Um, and you can afford to do that because they're larger value, right? Um, whereas tier two and tier so yeah. diving into some of that, so that's yeah. interesting stuff. So direct mail is the approach that you tend to recommend initially. Once you've once you've got the the list kind of narrowed down and breaking it down into three tiers of accounts. So not necessarily. There's other things you'd be doing as well. Direct mail is just okay. one of the channels you use. Yeah. All right, yeah. we'll get into those in a sec. But on the direct mail approach, so you yeah. mentioned like we've got tier one, tier two, tier three. We're we're giving them basically better gifts depending on the the size of the account. Is there an ask straight away? What's the actual approach? So are we saying like, here's an awesome gift, take a meeting with my sales rep? Um, is it a bit more subtle than that? Or what, what seems to work for you? So as I said, that's where other channels come into play. So I wouldn't be doing direct mail immediately. I'd be looking right. to get a couple of interactions onto accounts before I'd be even going down the direct mail route. So okay. uh, d- direct mail would be a further down the funnel activity. Yeah. Uh, some not all the time. Sometimes it's, direct mail is also a really good way of kicking down doors. By the way, so it's mm. it, it it depends, right? But what I would be doing is I'd be getting our brand familiar with people from those accounts in which I'm sending the direct mails to. How would I do that? I do that typically over LinkedIn. People underestimate how good LinkedIn is. LinkedIn is a fantastic tool to use for advertising, uh, especially for account based marketing. All you need to do is take your time, upload it into LinkedIn, and then start targeting those accounts, right? Like if you have that hefty list of accounts that I told you, the five to 10,000, you can then start spending money on LinkedIn and, uh, and targeting those exact companies. All you need to do is upload your CSV. Um, you can do it. You can break it down per tier. You can get specific content, as I mentioned to you before. Say, hey, tier one should only be receiving content X. Create yep. your ad campaigns that way. You should be doing ad campaigns in LinkedIn as a b2b company if you're selling a b2b um and if you're not doing it based on an account list you're really just shooting in the dark in my opinion i think the the linkedin um out of box like audience builder for for ads is, is fine it's, it's not terrible but if, if you have your account list ready to go and you've recognized these as all accounts that you want to be doing business with why would you be going after anyone else yeah and is this more of a early stage building brand awareness so people actually know who you are and what you do it's kind of the early doors part of it the actual link i did two, so I, of the list. I do two types of ads i do brand ads and i do um i do lead gen ads with the okay. lead gen ads like i know there's lots of different opinions in terms of lead gen nowadays if it's a good idea to gate content and whatnot uh, i've seen good success recently with gating 
um, gating content on LinkedIn. I wouldn't be pushing people away from the LinkedIn platform onto a landing page of your own. I'd be doing it more uh, lead gen ads, which is within the app itself. And you just, you you download the content using the email address that you've signed up for LinkedIn with. One caveat with that is that you'll end up getting a lot of personal email addresses. There's not many companies that, there's not many people that use their company email address as a, um, as a, um, as a, their LinkedIn login. I would say in yep. that, with with that, it depends on how hungry your sales team or your SDR team are to really get get their hands on leads. So I've always been in a relatively lucky position whereby the I've I've always worked very closely with SDRs, and they typically SDRs being sales development reps. So they typically are the tele sales people or um the 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 people that are getting the leads into their queue, and they're the ones that are there to do the qualification and try to try to get leads over the line, right? Um. And uh, they've always been very hungry for leads, always really, really hungry, right? And the, the hungrier the teams are, um, the more success you're going to see from these. If you've got SDR teams that are like, well, this isn't qualified, which I've also seen plenty. This is not qualified because it's not a demo request. Then your marketing is never going to be seen as successful, ever, 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 regardless of what you're doing, because if you're not bringing a demo request, they don't see it as being a success, okay? Um, but... Yeah, like your your question was around if if this is uh, like a brand activity versus a lead gen activity. I see it as both. Okay, so you want to be uh, doing those lead gen ads as well as like maybe sponsoring your content so that it, if you put out a post on LinkedIn, for example. So let's say Andy Andy from AndyCulligan.com has posted a blog post about XYZ or my thoughts on whatever. Right? If you post that from your <clears throat> from your uh, your LinkedIn uh, company profile, you can then put some cash behind that to get it in, more, in front of more eyeballs, right? Um, and I would be doing that, again, out to my target audience. A good a good example of that of doing that and getting it to work would be if you have video content around companies that you're working with already, which work really, yep. really nicely. So 20, 30 second snippet from, a, from you plus a, a well-known brand. This works really well. Get that in front of more people from those target accounts on that list. You just, all you need to do is spon- you need to push out a post on LinkedIn from your company account and then sponsor it. You know, all right. All. Got it. Appreciate the breakdown. So let's throw a spanner in the works. Um, right. I'm sure a lot of people tuning in have heard of a chap called Chris Walker. Runs a company called Refine Labs. If you haven't, he's on LinkedIn pretty much everywhere, so you do well to miss him. But he talks a lot about a platform, a process called Dark Social. Um, and there's a lot of other marketers as well as around that are saying kind of ABMs getting a, an outdated process. Um, they're saying more of the way to go is to, I guess it's a little bit similar to the fact that my understanding of Dark Social is more kind of using channels like whether it's LinkedIn organic, whether it's LinkedIn paid, whether it's Facebook, Insta, organic and paid to get in front of your kind of target audience. But instead of going for lead gen as such, you're building, I guess, brand, you're showcasing authority, trust, and such. So rather than pushing for leads, you're getting in front of the, I suppose, the accounts you want to. So when they're ready, they'll eventually go to your website, fill out your form, or give you a call. So none of it's for direct lead gen. It's more just being in the communities, the spaces, the social channels, et cetera, where your audience are, building trust, educating them. So then when they're ready, they go direct to your site. What are your thoughts? I agree with it, I think, but I think you need to balance it. I think you need to both. I I I don't think you should stop all lead gen activity and just go and focus on just um just doing as as what you just mentioned there in terms of 
like just posting everything and not having any real target audience behind it if that's what 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 you're sort of getting at there i i i i have some examples right and um when i was cmo at lead feeder um we did both okay so i had a i i started running around the um around the time that the pandemic started last march i started doing webinars okay and uh it was very much i i i um I didn't want to connect those webinars up to up to re, up to really business that was being closed. We did it, but it wasn't my main focus. Um, what my main focus was was um, not necessarily uh, connecting exactly what Lead Feeder does to a webinar and displaying that to the audience and being like, "This is how Lead Feeder works. You need to go buy Lead Feeder." Instead, what I was doing was I was getting in really top names from the sales space, which is our core user was our core user. So people gotcha. like Aaron, Aaron Ross from Predictable Revenue, for example, who you're probably familiar with, right? Sure. Um, people like um, uh, like Michael Hansen from Grouchini, uh, like uh, Morgan Ingram, um, those types of names. We were getting in and I was, I was bringing them onto webinars like Daniel Disney, et cetera, right? And um, with that, what we were doing was we were doing topics that were just really helpful to salespeople. So, for example, I ran one with Aaron and 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 Michael Hansen around how to do outbound better, basically, right? Nothing to do necessarily with Lead Feeder's product, uh, sort of. If you close one eye and squint the other, of course, but it was there was no focus on that. We were spreading spreading that out massively across social. Um, we started to get a big follower base. Like, so some webinars drove 2000 registrations within two or three days. Right. Which nice. is very, which is big. Right. Um, that is big for webinar. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and getting over a thousand people on. Right. Um, and the thing with that was, again, it was, it, it wasn't necessarily a lead gen activity. I didn't really think of it as a lead gen activity. I wasn't too interested as pushing it as a lead gen activity. Um, it was it was it was creating a following that we were unable to really track all the way down to stuff being closed or uh, stuff come up. Like my thought was, when they need us, they will come back, right? When they need a solution like Lead Feeder, they will come back and start working with Lead Feeder. And the pushback that I always got from the business was, well, no, can we not push Lead Feeder more because maybe they need us right now? They don't know what we do, right? And yeah, I was like, we no, want to link this not... to revenue directly. We want to link it to lead gen. Exactly, which yeah. I don't agree with. Which I don't agree with. Was okay. at the same time, what I was also doing was the other approach on LinkedIn, whereby I was taking our target list of accounts from our outbound team, uploading those into LinkedIn, getting people to interact with our content on LinkedIn, sending lead lists over to our sales team, our outbound sales team that were. Um, that were constantly picking up the phones of these accounts and they mm -hmm. managed to get traction because people were downloading stuff and the, the outbound team were managing to get traction because, they, oh yeah, of course we know who Lead Feeder is. Thanks, we, we, we enjoyed the content that you pushed out. So yeah. the mix of both actually worked pretty well, right? Yeah. So canceling all lead gen activity and just focusing on pushing everything out to everyone, I, I, maybe it will come someday. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it right now, but I think the balance... It, there needs to be a balance between both yeah yeah i'd probably put myself in the same boat um okay so before we went off on a bit of a tangent we were talking about we talked about direct mail we talked about perhaps looking at linkedin for doing brand ads doing lead gen ads to your target list is is that the crux of it is that kind of this is now going to work now we can feed some of these leads to our kind of sales development reps our lead gen team and they can work those into appointments or is there a lot more that follows or a lot more we need to consider? 
So whenever I'm working with a company, I'm always talking about compounding touch points. So the more touch points you can get with an account, the better. Okay. So let's talk about how many, like how many contacts you should be going after on an account first and foremost in in an account-based model should be somewhere between six to 10. So six to 10 people per account you should be trying to engage with and have meaningful conversations with and marketing and sales are both involved in that conversation. Okay. So Mark, well, what do I mean by that? Marketing are facilitating steps within the sales outreach and cadence. Okay. Now the way that I would normally see it is, um, what I hear quite a bit is, is, um, somebody downloads an ebook, right? Now the pushback from an SDR will be, it needs to be nurtured. Okay. Now I've got one foolproof way to make sure that leads never respond is to throw them into a drip nurture campaign and expect them to get up to a level where they're going to be qualified to give over to sales. Like that is one surefire way of throwing money out the door, right? Instead, what I've seen is, is taking those leads and looking to create more valid touch points with them. Okay. Now, if within that, there are drip emails coming from marketing, then so be it. But a lot of people think, Oh, now we have HubSpot. We don't need to call leads anymore because we can send them emails. That's not how it works. So you can send out if you let's for for example, you've got an interesting case study with a client and you want to get that out in front of people, then put that as part of a cadence that goes out to those leads that then come into the system. At the same time, there should also be emails coming from salespeople. Salespeople, if this person or if this company is very qualified, salesperson should also be going out of the way to like their stuff on LinkedIn, maybe uh, comment on some of their things on LinkedIn, maybe even send them a voice note on LinkedIn. They should be trying to pick up the phone, give them a call, see if there's anything that could be doing for them. You know, there's probably like myself and Michael Hansen put together and not just me and Michael was with the guys um, from from Vidyard as well with with Tyler Lassard. I don't know if you know Tyler. We put together a film. Yeah, there you go. So we put together a 40-step cadence last year. People said, 40 touches, are you you mad? No, because there's lots of different things that, that, that we say are a touch. So liking somebody's post on LinkedIn is a touch, right? Um, and it's about compounding all of those touches to surround the prospect, right? Yeah, this this um, this could go on in in some detail, but in so you mentioned that it can be up to six to ten people per account yeah. that you target. Yeah. So it sounds like it could be quite a lot of resources from your own company that are involved here, um, whether that is marketers, whether that is SDRs, and I guess AEs, sales sales reps, actually close deals. Um, what does it normally look like? How many, I guess it varies from company to company. How many people typically get involved, like in terms of actual headcount and, um, how do you manage it? It sounds like a lot of to, to manage as well. So if you've got all these target accounts and then you've got these different touch points, you need to keep a track of, um, or is it something where you need to really kind of drill down into someone does X, someone does Y, someone does Z and kind of monitor the activity each day. Let me, let me tell you about a, a company that I'm working with at the moment that are seeing really good success from it. Okay. Sure. And I can, I can even break down into some of the, some of the success results that they've seen or successful results that they've seen. So this is three people. Okay. Actually, I know I, I stand great. It's four people, but the fourth person's in client success. Okay. So, and we've just, gotcha. we've just named him in a client success role like two days ago. So um, this, this, this relationship started back in July of this year. Okay. So there are there is one marketer 
that's running all of our campaigns. There's me in the background, like pushing people in different directions, telling them what to do, well, not necessarily telling them what to do, but giving them guidance. And then we've got an SDR and we've got an AE, so an account executive, so a salesperson. So the way that that works, we built out our total addressable market. We did that in a week. Three of us did it in one week, okay? Took that total addressable market list, handed it over to our marketer. Marketer uploaded to LinkedIn. In the meantime, the marketer was also working on some compelling content that would be interesting to our client or to our prospect base. We understood who are the persona that we wanted to sell to, and we started creating some content which would be interesting for them to go and interact with. At the same time, we also started doing things like webinars. Like we launched a webinar two days ago, and now we've got 560 people registered for it. That's something I can get into now in a moment. But at the same time, with that small team, what we've managed to do is bring in about, uh, last month we brought in 850 leads from our target accounts. Okay, so 850 meaningful interactions, 850 people gave us their details and interacted with a piece of content, or they've come to a webinar that we've done, right? Um, on top of that, what we've managed to do is we've managed to grow the pipeline from July pipeline being like 20K, which was too low, right? To 70K in August, 100K in September, uh, 150k in October, and now we're pushing 250k uh, pipeline build for November. So we've done that by completely changing the way that we were doing things, right? And we've also started to close some big brands as well. So we've started to accelerate some of those deals as well by offering and serving content to them as well, right? And that's in the space of four months. And within that, like the, the company is relatively small, okay? So the company, when I first started working there, was uh, working with them, they were on... Um, 100k ARR, so uh, annual recurring revenue of 100 100k. We're going to finish this year in about 300k now, and that's just in the second half of this year, just based on the work that the guys have been doing. So, if you're asking me, can you see results with small teams? Then I've just yeah, you can 100% see results with small teams. Out of interest, um, yeah. feel free not to disclose. What kind of spend were they looking at in terms of kind of that marketing you just mentioned there? They did webinars, they did LinkedIn ads, they did some other bits and pieces. What were they chucking into that? Program spend. So pro so marketing, marketing like execution costs, let's say, without headcount, right? Yeah. Uh, we're we're looking at no more than ten thousand dollars a month for that. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well that's 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 an actionable example. So that's really useful for for everyone tuning in on kind of what that actually looks like and how that works and how many people can manage it. So with that all said, Andy, are there any other considerations that we need to kind of think about when it comes to doing this? Are there any other perhaps channels we've not spoken about or any other kind of ABM etiquette things we need to consider um, before we kind of jump in and start putting these tactics into play, I guess? I think you just need to not overcomplicate it. I think um, a lot of people, when they hear about account-based marketing, they think, oh, no, big investment and in in programs so execution costs but also big 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 investment in tools right you don't necessarily need tools like there for larger enterprise organizations there are tools that make sense to invest in for example terminus terminus basically what they do is they offer um they they offer basically a uh, um a display ad uh tool which you can start displaying ads to your um to your target base or your ICP, whatever it might be, right? Um, and that's particularly helpful when you get into a stage where you have big, big companies in, in your pipeline already and you just want to surround them. 
right? But that's very good from a brand perspective, but from a, a general performance perspective, because let's uh, like, let's call a spade a spade here. People are talking about, and you mentioned Chris Walker talking about the dark web and, or not the dark web, the dark, dark social and so on about going, just pushing brand altogether. Most companies have a lead gen problem. Every company that I talk to, the sales team is saying, we cannot generate enough leads. Okay. And it's, again, it's this lead gen versus demand gen topic, right? Demand gen is bringing people to you. Lead gen is just about going grabbing people. Okay. There's still, again, it's a balance. But um, I would say that don't get don't get too into the in, into the weeds or get, let anybody convince you that you need to make big investments in tech because the tech that's out there for ABM is first of all very very expensive. Second of all, if you're just starting out in your ABM journey, you're likely to want to see conversions. You want to see leads come in through the door from those accounts in which you want to do business with, right? Whereas the likes of Terminus and so on, it's not necessarily a performance marketing tool. It's a tool for brand, getting your brand out in front of more accounts, right? And it will cost you a lot of cash. It's not it's not cheap, right? Um, what I would say is start small. Start off with, for example, tools like Leadfeeder is a good tool, for example, right? For your sales team. Leadfeeder is a super cheap tool. You can do a two-week free trial. I don't work at Leadfeeder anymore, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not getting paid. The promo myself. code is. Yeah. <laughs> so you can get to a two-week free trial. You can see which companies are visiting your site, and that will give the sales team some intel, and also the marketing team some intel in terms of which types of companies are coming and visiting the site, so what, what messaging is resonating with which particular companies. Um, but it will also help the sales team then to realize, okay, which companies should we go and chase first, right? Um, but in terms of then tech to, uh, to build your total addressable market list, I mentioned two, Zoom Info and Cognizant. Cognizant is a, is, is a tool that I always shout from the rooftops about. You may not have the budget for it. They're cheaper than Zoom Info in my, in my experience. You may not have the budget for it. There are other cheaper tools out there. Um, there's a, a number, for example, is, is something that works at probably half the price of what Cognizant would be. Um, uh, there, I can't think off the top of my head. Sales Intel is another one, for example. There's there's 20 different on the market, all different prices. They vary on their quality of data. That's basically how it works. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Andy, look, really appreciate this. It's been a very detailed, thorough breakdown. So it's really been useful for myself and I'm sure everyone that's tuning in today. So, yeah, with that, I just want to thank you very much, mate. Really enjoyed the conversation. And please Thanks do on. tell us more about how anyone tuning in can learn more from you and how they can get in touch. Sure. Um, so best place to get me is on LinkedIn. I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. Um, so if you if you want to have a chat or if you're interested in maybe some advice about uh, how to align marketing and sales, how to get your ABM up and running, anything like that, please ping me on LinkedIn. It's the easiest way to get me. As I said, I'm very, very active there. So yeah, you'll get me at uh, Andy.Cullion on LinkedIn. Nice um, one, Sam, Sam, I'm sure you're going to share my LinkedIn profile with us as well, mate, right? Yeah, so we'll um we'll put all the links over on the site at marketing. We'll put Andy's LinkedIn. We'll put his website over there. Um, so with that, I want to thank you once again, mate. Really enjoyed it, as I said. And um, that's it from us today. As always, if you enjoyed today's show, do hit that subscribe button. We interview business leaders each and every week to provide actionable marketing tips to grow your business and most importantly, your revenue. And with that, we should catch you on the next one. Are you tired of hunting for clients? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending money on marketing, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of leads and sales. Want to learn more about WebChoice's unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you? 
Book a free digital marketing assessment today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com.